1: the podcast critics have spoken
0: has this guy ever actually interviewed anyone before
1: and
0: wow that was long and i don't have time to listen very busy
1: sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon
2: uh he did win an award in
1: 2011 stop living in the past what else with Corey mann wherever podcasts are sold Isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network.
3: Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that doesn't do anything special except podcast stuff real good. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's my incomparable and incandescent co-host, Andrew Ormsby. Oh, boy. And each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And welcome to the show. He's back. It's Deezus.
1: What is up? Devon. Oh, my God, Sif Pop. We're back. I'm back. Oh my goodness, this feels so good. I'm so excited, guys. How are you, you doing? Good.
2: Uh, you were gone too long.
1: Yeah, man. We tried to get you on
3: like before you abandoned us to the sunny California area,
1: uh, but now you're out there. How are things going in SoCal? Oh my God, things are fantastic. I mean, of course, the weather is amazing. Yeah. It so bad for you guys this past <laughs> winter. Oof. <laughs> Um, but now things are, things are really good. Um, you know, I got my hand in all sorts of different pots and doing all sorts of different things. And, um, it's just fantastic to be out here. You know, the, the creative energy is just like, it's, it's overflowing and it's just like, you never run out of things to do. And just so many projects. I'm, I'm love it out here.
3: I imagine it is because of the entertainment industry. I imagine there are a lot of people hovering around that area who love to make stuff. And so, there's probably a never-ending supply of people to collab with and do stuff with and, and have a good time. So is is there anything specific you want to like point people to here at the beginning of the show just so people can kind of catch up with you?
1: Yeah, um, I've been writing for a horror movie website for the past year, Nightmare on Film Street. Uh, you should definitely check that out. Um, loving those uh, articles and stuff we're doing over there. Um, but the best thing to do is I You know, we'll plug at the end, but you keep up on my Instagram. I've done a photography showcase out here. Uh, I just helped out on a music video that's going to be coming out soon. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in the works.
3: Nice. That's awesome. Well, it is great to have you back on the show, man. I'm especially pumped to have you here to talk about Hellboy, because speaking of horror movies... Uh, there's there's a lot of horror elements in this movie so it'll be nice to kind of have those conversation with somebody who uh, knows the genre and actually enjoys the genre because that's that's not anybody else in this room
1: oh yeah <laughs> I, I'm well aware it's neither one of you guys and and a cool thing for this one too is I actually got to see it like months ago nice for a test screening too so I can kind of give a little you know comparison here and there as well oh, which like actually that. not much is different but we'll get into that
3: oh that's that's another cool part about living out there, all the early screenings and that kind of thing. So, very nice. Yeah. Um, before we get into the show, a reminder that we are doing a Game of Thrones podcast, Sift the Thrones. If you are a Sift Pop fan and a Game of Thrones fan, this is the perfect podcast for you. Andrew and I will be talking about every single episode of Game of, the, uh, of Thrones. And we are joined by Chris from CinemaSins, Sins, uh, who will be joining us on every episode as well. Uh, we have already done the preview episode where we talk about what we're looking forward to, and we drafted our
2: teams. We I- did. My team is killer.
3: Yeah. Hey. (laughs) Hey. Uh, We drafted three uh, throne players and three uh, death players. And so there are points given for certain things that happen to those teams. If you want all the details, you can listen to Sift the Thrones. We are not including that podcast. We talked before about including that podcast in the Sift Pop feed. We have decided to make it its own feed. So if you want to listen to that podcast... Don't wait. Just right now, search for Sift the Thrones wherever you do your podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe uh, so that you can hang out with us and do that. It will not be here in the Sift Pop feed. The only place you can find it is in the Sift the Thrones feed.
2: Spoiler heavy. Yeah,
3: I mean, we assume that you're watching along with us. It It is definitely one of those where we are not fearful of the spoilers of what has happened, the spoilers of what is to come. We are discussing it all. Uh, so, but excited to do that. I thought the first episode went really well, had a good time, so excited for you guys oh, to hear that. Oh,
2: of Sif the Thrones, yeah. Oh,
3: <laughs> oh, you don't know, I've seen the entire season already, yeah, so, okay. of Game of Thrones, and you know, I just, <laughs> they sent it to me the other day, I was like, eh, I guess I'll watch it.
2: Yeah, fine. No, no, it, 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 I think it went really well too.
3: Yeah, I'm having a good time with Chris. There may be other guests that pop in, uh, throughout the eight episode run, so, and by eight episodes, that's Sift the Thrones is eight episodes, yeah. because Game of Thrones <laughs> Got seven, seven more. Seven more left. Um, so so there you go. So check that out at Sift the Thrones. Just search for it in whatever podcast player that you use. And uh excited to kind of have that community come together. And if you've got any questions about Game of Thrones, send it to uh feedback at siftpop.com where you send everything and we'll use it on the show.
2: Real quick. Yeah. Uh just to get it out of the way, I want to talk about how I wish I was more like you in this sense. Oh no. Something what? happened to me and I have a really bad time letting go of petty things. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, um, if it's a big deal, I'm like, ah, eh, whatever. But small little things, they <laughs> stick with me. And like I know splinters. they don't with you. you yeah, know? hangnails. Yeah, like um, the other day <laughs> I, I was uh, on the phone with Mediacom tech support for yeah. my parents because, you know, they're cavemen. They don't know how technology works. <laughs> right. And uh, I was talking to the lady. She's like, okay, what's your name? I'm like, my name is Andrew. She goes, oh, I thought you were a woman. What? Yeah. <laughs> now I know I don't sound like Sam Elliott. <laughs> but come on, I mean, I sound more like John Mulaney than anybody,
3: really. But it was—I I don't understand it. I'm not—I'm not, I'm not just—I'm not just saying this, Andrew. That makes no sense
1: to me. No, that—that yeah. d- that doesn't make any sense at all.
2: Yeah, but then I was like, that's a really rude thing to say, and she goes. <laughs> 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 that happened so, to me five days ago, and I've thought about it at least nine times for oh, the last man. Ev- for like every single day. It just pops in my head like, "Do I don't sound like a woman?" I know what I'm no Sam Elliott or anything, but
3: well we can explore this psychologically if you want if you want just i can do bring it. i can bring a couch out and we can get the we, notebook out and, and look into this a little what bit too
2: is take down all this soundproof foaming and just uh-huh. lay down and i'll just <laughs> right. sit down on it but you i know particularly have this ability to just like whatever for everything you are just a water on a duck's back kind especially of especially if it's about me if it's
3: about somebody i care for deeply it's a little more difficult well, because that's
2: kind, I kind of self-deprecating.
3: Well, no, it's just it's mm. more in the fact that, like, I, I want to defend the people I love, but I know I'm OK. Like, it, it, I know that I can survive whatever is thrown at me on Twitter or wherever. It doesn't it just doesn't bother me. Um, comments on YouTube. like a lot of people do not go into comments on YouTube because they can be so crazy. That's why I quit YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, for real. But for me, it just it's just never it, it never gets past the skin. I don't you know, I, it's just like who it's not somebody I know. It's not somebody I love. It's not somebody I trust. Why would I take their venom as something important, you know, to my life? Um, it,
1: it's a timing. It's a timing thing for me. Like if I'm like if something happens to me, at like the like very beginning of my work shift or something It'll like it'll stick with me the whole time. Come, just like man, I just started. That's how you want to get with me. Yeah. Then oh, if yeah. it's like Towards the end, of, but then if it's like towards the end of the night, I'm just like hey, I'm gonna forget about this in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I wish
2: I had that ability.
3: Well, and here's the other part about specifically what you're talking about. Um, One of the questions you could ask yourself is why is it a bad thing if you sound like a quote unquote woman? Like, why is that a negative? Because I'm a man. I know, but we have this idea that we have to sound a certain way, uh, you know, based on our gender or based on our upbringing or back out. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something, there's a pressure we put on ourselves to look a certain way and sound a certain way that isn't our own, that isn't for our own enjoyment, our own positivity. It's so that the world recognizes us as something
2: said from Mr. Radio voice himself. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you
3: say that, but, but I feel like my voice is very nasally. And when I started out in, in radio, um, I didn't think I had a radio voice, and the only reason I kept doing radio is because the person who tra- who was my mentor was like, "Radio voice is nothing; it means nothing. Communication is what's important. The tone of your voice, how nasally you are, those kind of things, those don't matter in the long run." Um, think of Ira Glass, right? Like that's not Mister mm-hmm. Radio Voice, but he has become a voice of communication in our culture. So, um, I don't know who that is. <laughs> this American Life host. Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's all it's is it radio? It's no, it's no. the it's the biggest podcast in the history of podcasting. But um but yeah, but other than that. And it is also radio. It's also on the radio on uh, NPR. Okay. So, but yeah, but Ira Glass's his voice is not what you would think of, you know, to kind of, you know, spell it out. It's not necessarily the deep booming kind of voice you would think of uh and yet he's you know again got the biggest show in podcasting so it's interesting
2: okay i just had to get that off my chest
3: no that's good man that's good if i can if i can send a little you know water off the ducks back your way yeah i would do it i I wish i knew how to transfer that but
2: (laughs) it didn't bother me it's just i can't stop thinking about it if that makes sense yeah, it's stuck. It's stuck. It's like it's like
3: it's like one of those um,
2: rubber glue.
3: No, I was gonna say one of those uh, like burrs that plants have that'll oh, stick cock-a-burls. to. Yeah, that'll stick to you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like it's not necessarily hurting you. It's just annoying because it's just stuck there, and it's like you just wanted to get off. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry that it's stuck.
2: (laughs) That's all right. Perplexing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I
2: feel better now. Good. Good.
3: Well, hey, listen, if nothing else, Sif Pop is a place for you to unload. Yep. Anytime you need to. Uh, We're going to have a great show. We've got, of course, our buried treasure will come up at the end. Excited about that. A fun little uh, Sif Pop about the MCU, but not in exactly the way. That a lot of people are thinking about it. And we've got a best ever challenge on David Harbor movies since he's headlining Hellboy, and of course we're going to review that. Uh, but we like to kick it off with a little bit of do we care?
2: Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick some topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Number one, Disney. <laughs> yeah, number everything. Yep. Yeah,
3: <laughs> they are. Uh, they're having their. Well, Star Wars celebration is going on right now, and they had their investors meeting. They talked about all the stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about all the specifics dealing with Marvel, Star Wars, those kind of things. Uh, the specifics dealing with Disney Plus we actually hit in our pre-show. So, if you're a Sif Pop member and you get the pre-show every week, uh, you will be able to listen to our thoughts on Disney Plus, the streaming service that they're launching in November. Uh, but let's talk about some of the other announcements. Andrew, specifically, what do you want to what do you want to talk about to start off with?
2: Uh, starting off, I want to talk about uh, spoiler culture, okay, and how it affects you because the Star Wars trailer dropped yeah and something big was revealed in the trailer okay and what i'm curious about is how do you think you're going to navigate the next eight months (laughs) without knowing what this big reveal is
3: um i'm guessing if it's that big of a reveal and they put it in a it's a teaser trailer right
2: yeah Mm -hmm. and
3: they put it in a teaser trailer that it's something they want people to know i'm not going to seek it out I'm guessing I won't be able to avoid that piece of information for eight months. I'm just guessing.
1: Yeah. That doesn't I mean. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I thought you were going to say like where I was going to go with this is like, if, they want you to know like do we still consider it a spoiler because i feel like we're like you know it's with more disney... spoiler
2: for mr no frames pledge over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: well yeah for sure but yeah but it's like it's in a teaser it's more of a reveal and it's like you know we kind of get this way with mcu movies as well and you know disney movies like what is and isn't a spoiler yeah yeah we, and you have well
2: to... i mean we see thor die in the trailer for Endgame, so you know
3: <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Whoops. Uh-oh. Oh, did, <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> um, see, here's the thing. Even when you say something like that, and this is going to sound weird to so many people uh, because I think many people misunderstand why I don't watch trailers. I'm okay if whatever this information is comes to me. It, it, let's say Thor does die in Endgame and you let that slip. That's a little bit of a bummer that I know that. But it is not as much of a bummer to me as seeing actual scenes from the movie. A Hmm. lot of people forget that the reason I don't watch trailers is because I automatically contextualize visual information into a story. And so what that means is when I'm watching the actual visual representation of the story that is presented as a full story, I've already got bits and pieces that I'm trying to piece in and, and contextualize with what's going on. That's the main reason I don't watch trailers is because I find the experience of not knowing what the visuals are going to be allows me to sit back and enjoy the visual storytelling better Uh, instead of having those visuals repurposed for a market for a piece of marketing material in which they have an entirely different context. Does that make sense? Yeah, did I explain that okay?
1: So oh, yeah, no, that makes complete sense.
3: So knowing whatever this information is that this teaser talks about, whenever I find it out because I probably will in the next eight months, mm-hmm. knowing that information, maybe a little bit of a story bummer, but that's not the point. The main point for me, so I'm I'm not necessarily worried about it.
2: Okay, uh, then we can move on to the Marvel stuff, like uh, all the new Marvel shows that okay. have been announced hawkeye show yeah falcon and winter soldier show it's great like with the actual peeps man
3: yeah it's crazy yeah what are you guys thoughts well i my first thought is jeremy renner doing a hawkeye show like all of a sudden i mean and that's jeremy renner's a big actor like he's in a lot of stuff
1: yeah i don't that's go ahead sorry uh I mean, yeah, like, the thing is, like, the way I see it is, like, it's kind of crazy that it's, like, you know, at first the idea of some of these big actors not wanting to do, you know, get into these, like, contract things for, like, multiple movies, but now it's, like, you see that, you know, you got these big-name stars in, um, you know, signing on for these exclusive TV shows at that, so it's, like, it's just kind of interesting, like, you know, the impact that the MCU has had on, you know, kind of Hollywood in general.
3: Yeah, I think, I think it's exciting. I think it's fascinating. I obviously won't know what to think about the shows until I see an episode or two. Uh, I imagine they're going to be more like limited series than a show that goes on for seven seasons yeah. because I'm imagining with yeah. these actors, you know, like Renner, they can, you know, basically for him to do a six or seven episode TV season is similar to this signing up to do a movie, right? Yeah. So it, it's probably, you know, one of those things where, if they don't sign them for multiple seasons, they're just doing limited seasons and seeing how they work. Yeah. And if it's profitable for everybody, they'll do more.
2: Yeah. Cause they're also doing the Loki show and they're doing mm-hmm. the Scarlet witch vision show. Right. So yeah, that's, everybody's getting a show. That's like
3: five or six direct MCU TV shows. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, plus they're launching and this is an MCU, but they're also launching the Mandalorian, the star Wars show right off the bat Mm -hmm. so there's that too
2: yeah so uh is there anything else you guys remember because i didn't watch the whole i didn't either i guess
3: i would want to talk a little bit more about the uh star wars stuff because i think we can talk about the title the rise of skywalker Mm -hmm.
1: um what do you guys think about that title
3: not a fan
1: (laughs) that's what i'm hearing from most people lame sauce uh (laughs) I don't know it just doesn't even roll off the tongue off really that well yeah and it i don't know it's like i can't tell if they're trying to raise more questions or if they're trying to you know uh backtrack to the the fans that were disappointed with you know information revealed in the last jedi and now they're being like because it's just like you know we know what happened at the end of the last jedi so it's just kind of like I don't know. I don't know what it really implies for the story all too much. And at this point, I'm not sure I care. I'm not a big Star Wars guy, though. So, I mean, that's just me.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, I am a big Star Wars guy. And it's just like, it's a cliched Star Wars title. There's revenge, rise, return. There has to be an R word. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> and but I like then, that. I like
3: that it's consistent like that.
2: Yeah, but Rise of Skywalker, it's... Eh. Yeah, I'm with Devon. It. it just doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: like, it's, yeah, it just it's like phonetically funky. Like,
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting because in my mind, I want it to be like Skywalker is the new term for Jedi. You know, like the idea that it's not talking specifically about a certain Skywalker, but it's talking about this new, you know, generation of Force users. Uh-huh. Uh, who are called yeah. Skywalkers, but it doesn't say Rise of the Skywalker, and it doesn't say Rise of Skywalkers. It says Rise of Skywalker. And yeah. that, that doesn't quite fit that theory. You know what I mean? That doesn't yeah. quite fit how that would work. So,
2: Zombie Skywalker. <laughs> That's really what it is.
3: I don't know. I just for everything that is within me hopes it is not referring to Ray. That's that's my only thing. I need I I need them not to retcon the your parents were nobody's thing because I think that's so cool and so no, meaningful. So
1: I thought that was perfect, yeah. honestly. Hey, Skywalker could be it could be a building, it could be a ship, it could be a new planet for all we know. Yeah, and
3: it could be Kylo. It could, you know, technically it his his mom was a Skywalker, so yep. you know. But he's a solo. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a solo Skywalker. Solo.
2: <laughs> See, that's how a man says solo. <laughs> oh man, you really you're gonna be. That's gonna
3: fester a little bit, I think, over time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And, and really, that was that was most of you know kind of the Star Wars and Marvel stuff that stood out to me. I don't know, um, Devon. Did you have anything else in you know from the announcements and that kind of stuff that that st- stood out?
1: Um, I saw that there was a Cassian Andor series coming, so Diego Luna and Alec Tudic as K2SO. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so that's another one. Uh there's a Monsters at Work, a Monsters Inc. uh series coming as well. Mm. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. And uh and then there's high school musical the musical, the (laughs) series. That's literally what it's called. Yeah, no, totally. Um which also uh, sounds uh, pretty fun as well. So yeah, there's no, I totally a, agree. The Zac like Efron cool coming back? Things
3: he might. That's what he, I would. I wouldn't put that. Like I know for the Monsters Inc. thing, they're going to get John Goodman and Billy Crystal. You know what I mean? Like they yep. they are getting these big names. So it's it's really fascinating to see them put you know all of their effort into this. Um, I guess the only other piece of news I would mention. Is that they officially announced they're taking a step back with making Star Wars movies after Episode Nine? So I think that's the right call. I think you know they pushed it a little too hard, and Star Wars fatigue is a real thing. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting, but they're they're gonna they're gonna put it on pause. They said as far as making the movies go after Episode Nine. So we'll yeah. see see how that works.
2: We'll still get to shows.
3: Yeah, so yeah.
2: That's gonna wrap it up Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> gonna Are you speaking
3: Mandalorian it's now? Like, what's with going with on? I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the review this week. We're talking about Hellboy.
2: On an island off the coast of Scotland, something was summoned from the depths of hell
3: something that would end mankind.
1: And this uh, thing you worried about, did it show up?
3: Oh, yes. You did. Based on the graphic novels by Mike Mignola, Hellboy, caught between the worlds of the supernatural and human battles, an ancient sorceress bent on revenge. Uh, Of course, there were a couple Hellboy movies before this one. Uh, Hellboy and uh, Hellboy 2, something about a golden army if I'm remembering correctly. Rise yes. of the Golden Army. <laughs> Rise of the Skywalker Army, <laughs> yeah. as was Hellboy 2. Uh, so they're bringing it back. They're redoing it. They're like, forget that PG-13 stuff. We're going with an R rating. We're going to embrace the evil of the character, kind of the the metal vibe of the Hellboy series and bring it to us that way. Let's start here. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was
1: just okay? Uh, Devon, what do you think? Um, It was okay uh a a slightly it was an optimistic okay which i'm surprised with uh i i was kind of a hater going into it oh interesting um i mean because i'm i was a big fan of the guillermo del toro uh films i thought they were great he really wanted to make a third one with him and ron perlman and they campaigned for it like up until pretty much like when the rights were or whenever before this was greenlit like, he, I remember he was on Twitter saying, fans, if you guys want this third one, let the studio know. But it wasn't just that. It was all, you know, money decisions. So mm-hmm. I just wasn't really a fan of, uh, you know, the idea of this coming out instead of um, a third one for that. But, you know, I I saw it pretty early and I I remember I was like, huh, I was like, I think people are going to be kind of surprised by this one. Um, I thought people were going to like it a little more, but um, people are really not liking it but i thought it was all right (laughs) is that the general response oh it's getting like blasted as like it's like uh last i saw a nine percent on rotten tomatoes people are just i mean the headlines are just calling it just every word for garbage that you can think ouch like lots of very clickbaity titles like this is we uh, this is one of the worst movie comic book movies to ever (laughs) exist like i mean people are really coming after it right now this is a movie from hell boy (laughs) no seriously (laughs) i've seen those like for real what do you think Andrew? it was all right
2: i'm gonna give it a very generous it was okay
3: (laughs) (laughs) well you're both being more generous than me i'm solid didn't like it uh didn't like it um if I had to lean one way or other, probably even Lowe didn't like like it yeah. more like than high. Like I said,
2: did. mine's very generous.
3: And, and and but here's the thing, and I recognize right off the bat, I'm going to start here. This is not a movie made for me. It's not made for my sensibilities. It's not made for what I enjoy watching. Um, it's just, so on a personal level, I understand that my grade or my rating is going to be different from somebody who this movie is made for, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I'm very aware of that disparity. Uh, I like you, Devon enjoyed the Guillermo del Toro movies. Uh, they're great. I I really think they are. I think they're underrated, uh, a lot of fun. And so I, I have that baggage coming into this as well. Um, but you know there are things I can look at in this movie and go, I can see how somebody would like that, but in almost every case, I'm not
1: that somebody. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. a so, L- little too much blood for you. Yeah, this we is can start way there. Too gory of a movie. Yeah. It's way too gory. Well,
3: it's it's definitely it's definitely reveling in the gore, right? Like it's like okay, what ways can we dismember a human that we haven't done before or you know uh take the skin off of somebody or take
1: a head off or cut somebody in half or lots of intestines in this movie yeah i actually felt kind of of ill
2: watching this movie i'm not even joking like i was watching it's like gosh i I shouldn't have went to alamo and ordered food i'm not hungry for this food anymore (laughs) oh man Yeah.
1: yeah it's way too gory for me I mean, me being the the horror guy here in the discussion, like, was it? I mean, even for me, when it comes to, because I mean, this is supposed to be more action horror. and I mean, this is like the kind of gore that I expect to see in like a Saw movie, mm-hmm. or you know, something like that. Or and, and and in in some cases, I like that if that's what I am going in wanting. But I mean, for a standard action horror, I was definitely surprised with the like pure visceralness of this movie, but. I mean, it didn't, but yeah, like you said, like for the people that want this stuff. Oh yeah, it definitely, um, like they, they're not like joking or sugarcoating, you know, when they're hyping up this R rating.
3: You know, there are moments where the, maybe not the gore, but the, uh, let's say body horror as opposed to gore. There are moments where that's played for laughs and sometimes it actually works. Like there, there are moments where I thought, oh, there's a different kind of, um, um, uh, why did the Army of Darkness kind of thing that yeah. could have happened here, um, and maybe that's the tone they're going for, but I only saw it on a, on occasion.
2: Yeah. The ratio of mm-hmm. gore to gore humor is very lopsided. Yeah, I think
3: so. I think you're right.
2: <laughs> uh, I do have a pro, though. I think that David Harbour is probably just as good as Ron Perlman playing Big Red. I mean, he was pretty good. He was funny.
3: Yeah no i i enjoyed his performance
1: i i'm on the i'm on the minority there it's not that i didn't like his performance i just didn't like the writing of his character like okay the way they kind of made him more like they tried to like make him like Hellboy, but the dude like the hell dude <laughs> yeah and it just didn't it just a lot of a lot of Hellboy's dialogue didn't uh-huh. work for me. I liked his like interactions with the other characters. I thought he was good in that aspect. But as far as like Hellboy the character in this one, I just wasn't feeling. It. and He was like they they ramped up the angstiness. Like because he is supposed to be like kind of like this angsty teenager, young adult. But they kind of ramped it up with the with him. And not not David Harbour's fault in my opinion. I think that's just the terrible scripts. So it was well, a fault there.
3: It was a little uh, too much. The the big Helboisky. Hel, hel,
1: hel <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> Ooh. A little bit Ooh. too much. Listen, yeah. this is you what really I do. pushed that. One. This is why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a good one. Though. Sometimes oh, you force man. them, but uh, but you got me there, Devon. <laughs> you got me there. Uh, yeah, I I think the performance was okay. I think what's interesting is every performance in this is a little bit over the top. You know, it's trying to find that tone. Um, so it's, you know, it's not, nobody's looking for an Oscar in this thing. No, you know, they're, they're just, they're just trying to find what fits with the world that's going on here. And I think the tone is fairly consistent, right? Even though it tries to do both humor and gore at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think from start to finish, it feels like the same movie.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I just realized why the gore and stuff was so jarring for me. It's because I didn't expect it to be. That level going in mm-hmm. if this was spawn i would have you know i would have had an idea you know okay so this is what i expect going in i could mm-hmm. have braced myself but i'm not really that familiar with the source material so going in only knowing really the uh the guillermo del toro movies and stuff like that i maybe that's why it was so jarring you know mm-hmm. like i thought they were just going to use the the f rating for like language and stuff but they didn't did you did you just <laughs> um, call it an f rating? Yeah. An f rating. <laughs> yeah. For fail rating. <laughs> the r rating yeah. for, you know. Yep. The f-language rating.
3: That's what I figured you meant, yeah. something like that.
1: Uh what were you going to say, Devon? Sound like you were going to say something. Oh, um as far as uh, as far as the source material goes, it does kind of lean a little more into the tone of the uh of the comics um guillermo del toro's versions you know they kind of leaned in the more fantastical you know tone of it versus uh it this is a very dark and gritty um you know comic series um so it, it kind of does go a little bit more into the tone of it but at the same time they were trying to like make it cool like kind of like a Cause I don't know, it like kind of gave me like Suicide squatty vibes at times, like when when some of the the uh ho- more horror, dark comedy came mm. into play. Yeah, but um, I mean, so I mean, it, it depends on what you're comparing it to. Yeah, like you know, Guillermo del Toro, he kind of took his own liberties with the comic series. Like aside from characters, he kind of pretty much did his own thing with it.
3: Yeah. And and you can tell every choice they make is one that's like, hey, we're taking the governors off. What can we do here to make it, you know, gross or, you know, weird or something like that? I, I think of the way there's there's one character that can, you know, get in touch with, you know, the spirit world and the, yeah. the way that she projects the spirit world is like the grossest way possible it
1: was so gross but so cool though that's what that was one of my bigger pluses for the movie well and that's what i thought that worked
3: yeah well and and it and again it does for somebody you know who that's what they want right is the weird gross stuff that you're gonna do and that's and that's what i tried to keep in mind through this whole movie is like that grosses me out i don't get the point of doing it that way but somebody's gonna love that you know what i mean and uh, and and I just I just cringe, <laughs> and then I go on with my day.
2: Yeah. Okay. Biggest pro for the movie: creature design in this movie is like off the charts good. It's it is. I totally agree. I'm gonna throw a butt on there.
3: You, I think the budget shows a little bit at some points.
2: I like the fact that they used a lot of you know non CGI elements mm-hmm. and stuff sure. like you know. That worked for me, even though you know it, it kind of dates the movie in some parts. But it maybe it's just because Guillermo del Toro's version had so much you know live action stuff in it that I just
1: appreciated. Oh, they're keeping that element at
2: least.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. what What do you think about the creature design, Devon?
1: Uh, I loved it. Um, I I loved the creature design. Um, whenever whenever I first saw the movie, this was like back in like, back in, like, January, or maybe even December, it was, like, really early, and the movie was about 90% done as far as, like, special effects went and stuff, so then getting to see it whenever I went and saw it again yesterday, um, it, they, it came together really well, um, I mean, I don't think the, the budget shows too much, it does at times kind of feel like, you know, those early mid to two thousands comic book movies yeah a little bit which but i but like you said like i don't know i felt like you know that they did make a lot of intentional choices here um that you know that they kind of wanted that kind of feel for it like kind of how venom had that feel as well like that but it felt like that was a choice so i don't know but as like i love uh especially the baba yaga scene is easily the best scene in that movie it's so creepy and terrifying the way that it's filmed but then the makeup look on baba yaga like oh my goodness it's i loved it for a horror fan that's that's like that's what you're going there for and just that alone kind of makes it a little bit worth it that we did get some of these like really weird gross out elements to Mm -hmm. um you know some of the designs here i was
2: disappointed it wasn't keanu reeves (laughs) (laughs) a nice sloppy kiss you know yeah
1: how do you have hair on your tongue
2: (laughs) yeah Uh, uh, i'm glad that the baba yaga was actually like you know okay this is kind of a con and kind of a pro at the same time yeah uh, since I'm not familiar with the source material, like, I don't, I've never read really much of any Dark Horse comic series, but I do love mythology. A lot of these characters are brought from mythology into either the comics or this movie, like giants, Baba Yaga, Kamazats, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, oh, okay, I know what that means, but I could see people who aren't familiar with either mythology or the comics being like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Yeah. So did that happen for either of you? Like, I don't know how familiar you are with like that myth- mythological stuff. So, I, you know, this movie is formatted in a way
3: that I don't know that you have to understand that stuff to get the general uh, progression of the storyline or the plot. You know, I, okay. I, I wasn't really, I don't think I was really confused in this movie. I probably just missed some things that other people might pick up.
1: does that make sense you're oh so
2: like with the baba yaga you're probably like oh she's a witch
3: yeah
1: yeah totally okay yeah yeah like I, i wasn't ever confused by it they definitely just it's i think it's kind of a pacing thing like they just throw a lot at you and i think the thing that's different that you know you kind of feel out of place with it here versus in the del toro movies like in that world it feels more lived in like It feels more tangible and like that, you know, that these because they had their way of covering up that the way that these things exist versus here. They just kind of throw it all out there and they're just like, well, here, this is just the way this world is, which I think they weren't as you know keen on the world building aspect as they were of just trying to get you from action set piece to action set piece, you know, Mm -hmm. and just keeping the movie like, you know, high kinetic energy.
3: How do we feel about the the story of this movie? Because
1: <laughs> what story? That,
3: yeah, that's that's probably my biggest con with the movie is it doesn't. This is the most Hem hod story ever. Yeah, it does. It yeah, it just feels very sparse and like there's not much going on. And I I wondered if you two found anything more to enjoy about the story or what it was trying to say that maybe I missed.
1: Um, nope. I mean the I think the story. Um, again was just kind of they they put things in place to to get you from you know like i said from action set piece to action set piece yeah it's just like more of a string of events than a story exactly i guess they were also kind of more focusing on the characters as well which some of the character interactions were great like um with hellboy and um sasha lane's character Mm -hmm. alice Alice. like i thought they had a i thought they had a great rapport but like as far as the story goes no it's uh it's kind of non-existent uh mila jovovich uh her evil plan didn't make a lick of sense but i also very much enjoyed her hamminess in this and Mm -hmm. she also kind of just went all in for it so, but
3: I, yeah, I like if there's anything I could pull out of it that I enjoyed, it may have been the the father son stuff between Ian McShane. I like Ian Hellboy. McShane in this movie. Uh, I just
2: like I, I just like Ian McShane actually. Well, it,
3: I, yeah, and and I think they're uh, again, this is very slight, and I think it just stands out because of how empty the rest of the movie is. But they have those moments where he's trying to teach him, and as a dad who has sons. Like I I, I did feel during those moments like, oh, there's some some semblance of this in my life that I understand, (laughs) you know, about trying to, you know, you can't force your kids to do anything. Uh, At the end of the Mm. day, they're going to make up their own mind about stuff. Um, But you want to help educate and bring them along. And, you know, there's wisdom, you hope, that you can give them. Uh, So some of of that stuff, I think, uh, if there's anything in the movie. (laughs) that landed it was maybe some of that stuff for me
2: are you saying you did not raise any Hellboys?
3: i hope not yeah (laughs) i mean mean, we'll see who knows (laughs) there may be one of one of them come through the door with a flaming crown here any moment who knows so (laughs) we'll see what happens uh the only the other con that i wanted to mention and then we can kind of uh, wrap up with one last thing if you guys have any uh, other things you want to mention this will be mine um my one last thing is man am i tired of sequel baiting Um, I just like this movie takes it's in credit scenes, like three different, I mean, there's two credit scenes in one way. The movie ends to wink at the audience and go, maybe we'll do this next time. Maybe we'll (laughs) do this next time. And it's like, I'm just, just tell me a story. If you've got sequels, keep them to yourself and then bring them on later. I just, you know, you're not the MCU like that. That takes, that takes, some time and planning and effort to, you know, be able to pull that kind of thing off. Um, So I'm just, I'm getting tired of the sequel baiting and, you know, these movies that are one time, first time things. So anyways, that was my one last thing. Either of you guys have anything else you want to mention about (laughs) the movie?
2: That was going to be my last thing. (laughs) So
3: yeah. Devon, did you have one last thing that you wanted to mention?
1: Yeah. To go ahead and piggyback off of what you guys were saying, you know, with the, the sequel baiting and it just kind of, cements like why i'm upset that this movie happened versus you know del toro not having his third one so it's like they didn't want to give him the money to make a third one but then they assume that this one would make enough money to have a sequel as well and to start a new franchise it just doesn't make sense to me yeah so it just kind of it just upsets me again of you know why did this movie happen they didn't try and tell a good story they just tried to have fun i guess i don't i don't know so yeah that's my one last thing is it's whatever it happened and now it's over <laughs> that's can they're gonna put that on the box
3: yeah it happened and now it's over
1: jesus <laughs> <laughs> i would love that to be my first ever pull quote <laughs> yeah, that's That'd right. be fantastic
3: uh this this is the kind of movie that might use something like that too yeah. it happened and then it was over
2: you know, for as much as I ragged on this movie, I I had fun watching it, but I'd never want to see it again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if what I
3: had would be called fun.
2: I laughed. <laughs> I laughed a lot in this movie. Yes. Sure.
3: And I, I think I, I think in, in part I was maybe in awe of it, like just kind of mouth agape kind of thing. Where, wow. They're doing
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Just like, okay. Um, But I can't, I can't recommend this movie. I mean, there's a specific person. That is just going for, you know, the set pieces and the blood and guts and the over the topness of it all. That's gonna love this. Not us. And it's just not me. Um, So if that's you, maybe maybe you want to check it out. But um, I mean, I like like of all the scenes, the giant scene was my favorite. Um, But even (laughs) that was a lot of fun too. Yeah, but and that was just because it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So yeah. Um, so, th- I, again, there's some stuff here, but I don't think overall it's a recommend. Uh, you guys ready for some uh, Best Ever challenging? Yeah, buddy. All right. We are going to look at Best Ever David Harbour movies. So, these are Best Ever movies that David Harbour is in uh, at all. And when uh, I first thought of doing this as Best Ever, I was like, well, we can't do this he, because he's probably not been in a lot, but he's actually been in several movies. So
2: More TV than movies, and a lot of his movies are not good. <laughs> what? No, that's interesting i think he's been in some good ones i found three good ones and then two okay ones All there's right. there's some movies of his i'm like okay I, i've heard that's a really good movie i just haven't seen
3: it yeah that makes a lot of sense too yeah. we'll
2: go number five to number
3: one andrew why don't you kick
2: us off with your number five the walk among the tombstones great the choice, liam neeson movie it's an okay movie yeah it's, it's in my honorable mentions yeah it's okay i mean nothing to write home about uh david harbour's good in it liam neeson's liam neeson he's you know post taken liam neeson i Mm -hmm. guess you could say so you know what to expect there (laughs) he's walking amongst some tombstones he is definitely walking among those tombstones
1: what do you got at number five devon uh number five i got black mass um you know the johnny depp and taron edgerton uh mobster movie from a few years ago the whitey bulger movie Mm -hmm. um he has a, David Arbor has a very small role in it, um, but, you know, it's an alright mobster movie as far as they go. That kind of hits a lot of the same beats, but, you know, a lot of the people hit them Boston accent, so it's entertaining enough for that.
3: Uh, I just ditto with everything that Devon just said. That's my number five as well, is Black Mass. So uh,
2: What I would say about Black Mass is the performances are great, the story is not. I think Johnny Depp nails that role. He is mm-hmm. so good.
3: It's one of my favorite Depp performances.
2: Yeah, he's like, I you would, If you were to tell me that that person I watched the entire movie was Johnny Depp, I wouldn't believe you. It doesn't look like him at all.
3: Well, I've got news for you. What? That person you watched the entire time was Johnny Depp. What?
2: <laughs> no way. But yeah, the story just kind of falls short for me.
3: Okay, fair enough. Um, it was my number five, um, so we'll move on to number four. What do you got, Andrew? The Equalizer. Yeah, it's in my honorable mentions as well. Okay.
2: Yeah, good Denzel Washington action movie uh never saw the second one i was
3: gonna ask if you saw this because i haven't either i haven't seen the second one yet either no
1: devon have you seen uh equalizer equalizer two uh equalizer one was my number three so yes well then we'll wait and and i thought it was i thought it was a solid you know solid throwback kind of action movie i dug it um and did not watch the second one. I did watch the cinema sins for it. And that <laughs> suffice enough for me.
3: Yeah. I didn't write on that one, so I haven't seen it either. Um, but yeah, the first movie is, is good. Good. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's all right.
2: Yeah. It happened. And Solid it, was TNT over. Movie. <laughs> it happened. And be... it was over. <laughs>
3: um, all right. My, Oh, we've still got your number four. Devon, what's your number four?
1: Oh, It was Hellboy, so I mean, we talked about that enough.
3: All right, fair enough. Uh, My four is
1: State of Play. Yep, that's when I was... That's the
2: Russell Crowe one, right? Yeah. Ben Affleck.
3: Jeff Daniels, yeah. yeah, lots of great. Viola Davis is in it. I think David Harbor's in it as well. well. Yeah, I've
2: heard David <laughs> Harbor might be
3: in it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, this is one of those movies where Helen Mirren's in it. I think
1: Dame Helen Mirren. I'm sorry,
3: I forgot the Dame. Yeah, uh, it's Put some
1: respect on her name. Uh, it is.
3: <laughs> it is one of those movies where you look at the cast and you're just like, "What?" Robin yeah. Wright is in it as well. Jason Bateman is in it too maybe i need to see this movie i'm telling you
1: it's it's really good okay have you seen it devon i have not but it sounds like half of sag after is in it (laughs) yeah
3: yeah this was 10 years ago that this came out and it is one of those power of the press kind of movies and how it can keep politicians accountable and different things like that um not like that applies to our current environment you know, at all. I'm not sure how that would, uh, how that would even apply. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's one of those movies where it's like, yeah, the press go get them, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, secrets and lies and, and that kind of thing. I, the knock I've heard on it is that it, that the pacing is kind of slow and it takes its time but I never felt that when I watched it. Now I haven't watched it since then since it came out. Um so I'm due for a rewatch on this but uh but I I thought it was really good. Oh and I the, uh, there's one I forgot to mention in the cast. Rachel McAdams is in it as well. Who oh. I love. So Oh no, he died. <laughs> oh no, he died. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that state of play is, is definitely a good one that, uh, both you guys should check out and, uh, everybody else as well. That's my number four.
2: Sweet. Number three. Yeah. Let's do three. War of the worlds. What? He was in war of the worlds. He was dock worker. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> was he really? Well, yeah. I totally missed that one. Yeah. He was dock worker. Number two. I, I love war of the Worlds. Yeah. No, I, I
3: like it more than most people too. I probably would have had it in my number five instead of black mass. Um, hmm. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's a good choice. It's a good
2: Tom Cruise movie. And the, uh, the tripod. It's a Spielberg movie, man. Like, yeah. that's, that's good stuff. The sound of those tripods, man. Just like, uh-huh.
1: I love it. It gives me goosebumps and, every time. And the way Tom Cruise runs, he, he, oh, he yeah. runs in that one too. <laughs> Ooh. Carrying his kids
2: while running too. That's extra
1: Tom. There's a, uh, th- there's a scene.
3: I think it's in the basement of the home. It yeah. is one of the most tension filled with the tentacle? Yeah, scenes yeah. that I've I've ever watched. And I was like, Spielberg was on his game putting that one together. Um, so yeah, I I I stand for War of the Worlds for sure. Cool. So very nice. And we heard your number three
1: already, right, Devon? Yep. It was the equalizer.
3: You had the equalizer at number three. Uh I'm gonna throw out snitch. At number three. That's
1: another one I haven't seen.
3: This is The Rock, and or I should say Dwayne Johnson.
2: He was um, probably The Rock when he made this. No,
3: he was Dwayne Johnson. And very specifically, it, it is before we get into Rampage and Skyscraper and San Andreas and the Fast movies, he was picking roles that had a little more expanse to them, a little more depth to them. And what's interesting about him in Snitch is he's playing a a person who's just trying to protect the people he loves, but not with his muscles. Like, it's very much, like, he, I mean, there is maybe a punch or two thrown here or there, but he's actually overmatched at every step of the way in this movie, intellectually, planning-wise, that kind of thing. And you're just not used to seeing him play the underdog. Like, how do you make The Rock the underdog, right? Well, this movie tries to do it. And I think it does it fairly well because um, he's in involved in uh, a tiff with, um, you know, the drug cartel. And so he's he's the underdog. So he, I find it fascinating. And I kind of wish he made more movies like this today as opposed to just all the big muscle soup He's a superhero in every movie he's in now. Yeah. Even though he's human, he's a superhero. He's not a superhero in this movie. And I find that very interesting.
2: That is interesting, actually. So,
3: oh, and David Harbour's in it. Oh,
1: well, that's a,
3: <laughs>
2: hey, why didn't you say so?
1: Bonus. Yeah.
2: Uh, all right, on to our number twos. Yeah, or did, uh, oh, Devon's was the equalizer. Yes. My number that two, was my... Uh, Brokeback Mountain.
3: Yeah, that's my number two as well. It's
2: great, great, great movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I need to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Harbour is in it. <laughs> is he? Yeah, along with Jake Hall and uh, Heath Ledger.
3: Heath Ledger's so good in that movie. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that he gets a lot of credit for being as good as he is, but I think that Jake Hall is like right up there with him, man. That scene with uh, Jake Hall and his father in law turning off and on the TV, you yeah. know, is like one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. I love that so very much.
3: Don't give a uh, short shrift to the gals either. Michelle Williams is incredible in that <laughs> Michelle Williams. Dan uh, Hathaway. Hathaway's in it oh, too. So good. Linda Cardellini is actually in that movie and does pretty good. So Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, Randy Quaid.
2: Randy Quaid. Mm-hmm.
3: That's my Quaid's number one film, Brokeback too. Mountain. Yeah, yeah. Randy Quaid's in there.
2: Huh, I'm gonna have to. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I gotta rewatch it.
3: At least according to Google, yeah, it's
2: probably the best Ang Lee movie. Besides, I, I'd agree with that. No, I take it back. Sorry, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is his
3: best. You movie. want to do the Hulk, Hulk movie? Hulk yeah. is his best
2: movie. Hulk definitely his best movie.
3: <laughs> no, Crouching Ti- Tiger is really good too. Yeah, um, but yeah, I had Brokeback as my number two as well. What's your yeah. number two, Devon?
1: Uh, my number two is End of Watch. Yeah, Trump, the Jake uh, well, Gyllenhaal about anyway. and Michael Pena, uh, fantastic film. I mean, you want to talk about bromance of all bromances, and you know, really getting you, you know, in the emotions. Like it's it's such a great film, like from start to finish, and. You know even the found footage aspect works in it for making it you know feel how you know real and authentic this friendship is and yeah kind of crazy uh when you like go to do research for the movie it's like uh, apparently they didn't get along all too well um for the majority of filming the movie they didn't really uh start like becoming close or anything towards like the end but at first they really didn't like each other much apparently
2: interesting i have been
3: man with end of watch and fury. David Ayres was like my one of my directors to watch. I just and then he just and and then he did Suicide Squad yeah. and Bright. And
2: then he did Bright. Oh yeah. and he also did that one Arnold Schwarzenegger movie too, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. It was like him, John yellow It was like they were a SWAT team that decided to rob a bunch of people. It was a really bad movie. It had a crazy cast. I remember that. I'm like what is David Ayer? Doing? Did you know that David
3: Ayer wrote Training Day too?
2: Yeah, that's how he got his big break. Yeah. So
3: I just you know I in End of Watch is a great End of Watch is my number one. Uh, Andrew, I'm, I think you were indicating it's your number one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just I think that movie is um, man, it's just so compelling. I watch that movie and I'm just like in it. And one of the things I love about it, End of Watch is a found footage movie yeah, now you would never think of it that way because it's not all found footage. But they very much could have used that as a gimmick in that movie if they wanted to because so much of it is from police cameras and and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. but but they were able to to show that you can make a quote unquote found footage movie and also just incorporate real movie making techniques. You know what I mean? Like found footage can be a tool in a movie or I should say, uh, let's say in world footage. Because it's not really found, necessarily. But in-world footage shot by the characters can be a really wonderful movie-making tool. But when you constrain yourself to making the whole movie that way, you're just asking for trouble. So I wish more more movies would pick up on that, that you can actually use in in-world footage to do some really cool things.
2: I think it's the best cop movie ever made.
3: Ooh, man, that would be a discussion. hmm
2: I can't think of anything else that's mm-hmm. it's the most. Okay. Well then it's easily the most realistic cop movie ever made.
3: I I mean, it, it's certainly for like kind of modern police work. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels that way. Yeah. Whenever I yeah. watch
2: the rookie, you know, I don't know if you're watching the rookie it or not. No, but, I uh, don't watch that show now. Uh, it reminds me of the rookie so much, or I should say the rookie reminds me of it mm-hmm. to watch, but, uh, Gosh, I just love this movie so much. Everybody is so good in it. It's such a heartbreaking movie, too.
3: Would you consider Fargo a cop movie?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would. Oh, yeah. That'd be in the discussion, oh, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, that'd be up there. I mean, I'd probably put Training Day would be my edge out. Um, what about Heat? As far as... No, Heat's a, Heat's a heist movie.
3: Mm, okay. Um, lethal Weapon?
2: Yeah, man. Oh, I've got
3: one. I've got your one. I know one.
2: Yeah. Hot what Fuzz. Is... Oh, there you go. Hot Fuzz. That is the quintessential I mean, cop movie. There you go. It's the greatest cop <laughs> movie ever made. You're right. You're right. It is the greatest cop <laughs> movie ever made. I knew that one would get you. The one I was Trump thinking card. of was uh Sabotage, the David Ayer movie that had Schwarzenegger. Oh, okay. No, listen, I don't know. Anything listen about to that. this cast real quick. Schwarzenegger, Sam Worthington, Terrence Howard, Jill Manganiello, Josh Holloway, Max Martini, and Mariel Inos. I mean, that's a crazy cast right there. Yeah. The movie's terrible.
3: <laughs> it's too bad. It's
1: really bad. Devon, we haven't heard your number one, I don't think. Uh, my number one was Brokeback. Okay, that's what I wondered. Nice. Yeah, yeah. so that was my number one. I, and I easily could have had broke back mountain or end of watch flipped honestly yeah um you guys kind of more swayed me there on the end of end of watch i was like damn that should have <laughs> been my number one because <laughs> yeah. i mean it really is. i haven't seen either one in such a long time but both of them are just like really really fantastic because i've always i've yeah. always been somebody that defends found footage and like you said like you can find interesting ways to use it that you know it's not a gimmick yeah and you don't it, have to trap definitely wasn't here yeah
3: yeah yeah, totally um okay so honorable mentions andrew did you have any no because i haven't seen revolutionary road okay that was going to be one of my honorable mentions yeah um that's leo and kate and it's a
2: sam mendes and a sam
3: mendes movie it's it's a really powerful movie about the trauma of long-term marriage Mm -hmm. and just like how do you work through it do you work through it like it's it's family and marriage in the 50s which makes it you know, interesting, but they want to be they're conformists They don't want to be like every other cookie cutter couple. But at the same time, sometimes you have to figure out what the roles are. And some of those roles are boring. And so it's just kind of an interesting real look at what it means to, you know, domesticate. Yeah.
2: All I know is I hear Michael Shannon is stellar in that movie. And uh, it's I want to see it just to, you know, see Kate and Leo back together. Yeah. Because apparently they did find room on that. That's right. Door. You can just pretend that, that it's <laughs> yeah. Jack
3: and Rose, and they they made it work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Revolutionary Road was one of my honorable mentions. Did you have any uh, honorable mentions, Juan?
1: Um. I guess Quantum of Solace. Um. One of the more boring James Bond movies. But <laughs> yeah. Still a James, but still a James Bond movie then nonetheless and still has some fun stuff in it. Um. I really barely remember anything about it, but David Harbor was indeed in it i liked it
2: more than specter <laughs> that's true
1: Ooh, i actually like i like specter more
2: oh
3: i uh i would say uh, the only other one i might mention just because i have a little bit of fun with it is the green hornet
2: oh i hate that movie so much
3: yeah i know a lot of people do but i think there's some fun to be had there it's so different than most superhero movies
2: It's not a superhero movie. It's a vigilante movie. Okay,
3: well, fair enough. Is Batman a vigilante movie, too, then? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Unless Superman's
2: (laughs) in it. All
3: right, Uh, so there you go. There's the best ever challenge for David Harbour. And uh, if we've missed anything, you can let us know. If you want to check out the Sif Pop list, you can go to SifPop.com. And there's uh, the top ten David Harbour movies as listed by our Sif Pop gurus. Uh, so you can always check that out as well. Before we head on to the Sif Quest, a reminder that you can be a member of Sif Pop if perhaps you were thinking, "Well, I want to hear them talk about Disney Plus." Well, you can hear that in our uh, members-only pre-show this week. We do one of those every time we record a podcast. I should say most every time we record a podcast, we throw a bonus up there, and so you can listen to that as a Sif Pop member at Patreon, Patreon.com/siftpop. That's with a T, S-I-F-T-P-O-P sift pop and when you remember they're different perks based on uh, how much you are giving uh towards your membership so thank you for that very much it's much appreciated we really could not do this uh without you and there's lots of fun stuff going on in 2019 at sift pop and that's because of your support and a huge thank you to a brand new Sif Pop member, uh, Snore Peterson, uh, came in this week. $5 a month. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Um, if you have some extra bucks you want to throw our way to help us do what we do better, it, it is absolutely humbling that you would do that. Again, go to patreon.com slash All right. On to the Sift Quest. This comes from Sam from Arizona. ...who says, I have a Sith Quest idea. With Avengers Endgame coming out soon, I wanted to ask about the MCU as a whole. But everyone will be ranking the movies, and we all know the drill. Thor The Dark War World will get blasted. Iron Man will be given credit for starting the whole thing. Incredible Hulk will be ignored because that's how it should be. And everyone gives Black Panther the props it sorely deserves. So how about instead you guys come up with the top five individual performances by the actors and actresses in these movies... I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. Regards and good luck, Sam. So let's do it. Top five MCU performances. Um, Now, I'm just going to tell you, I decided to do this on a, like, there's two ways you can look at this. The character meets the actor, like how well they portray that character, or wow, that's a great performance. And I went more for the second, like that's an incredible performance kind of idea.
2: Did you, um, just hypothetically say you have an actor who's in multiple movies. Did you pick a specific movie you thought, wow, they were great in, or just, no, I didn't. Uh, I
3: mean, some of them, uh, will be obvious. Some of them I've only been in one movie that I picked. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, okay. But, uh, but no, for the ones that have been in multiple movies, I did not pick. I didn't either. I just wanted to make sure that I should
2: not have done that. All right. Um, So, also just the movies because Aaron and I had this conversation. <laughs> yeah, not the TV, not the uh, Netflix TV shows because Vincent D'Onofrio and David um,
1: David Tennant, David Tennant would have probably. There for me. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, David Tennant
3: would have been way up there for me. Um, and Vincent D'Onofrio, that's a great performance too, especially
2: um, season three. Man, you got to get on it, Aaron. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's in the queue. Uh,
3: we'll do it from number five to number one. Uh, I'm going to start this time. And I just have to say, um, I'm not going to mention them now because maybe they'll be in your top five. But I definitely have some shout outs that I have to give after the top five. But they just didn't. Their performance didn't raise to the level. But, man, they are some of my favorites. So, yeah. I do have some shout outs at the end. But I'm going to start at number five with Michael Keaton uh, in uh, Homecoming. That's um, a
2: really good pick, actually.
3: That is, I think it's a phenomenal performance. Uh, it is menacing. And yet at the same time, friendly when it needs to be Uh, not. And here's the thing about the performances I love the most, especially with villains, is the ones where I'm like, yeah, that's scary and menacing, but also completely understandable. And Keaton has one of those performances in Homecoming as well, where it's like his backstory, even as little as it's touched on. He makes you believe how that impacted the way he sees the world.
2: Yeah, and
3: yeah. I think that's that's a sign of a great performance. So that's that's my number five.
2: Uh, Andrew, you want to go next? Going, Chris Evans, Captain America. Very nice. Uh, if I had to pick a movie where I thought he was like stellar, and it'd probably be Winter Soldier. I think would be the one, just because. You know me. I'm not really a fan of First Avenger, but mm-hmm. I think like the <laughs> how they went from. Uh, first or first avenger to winter soldier and like made me love that character so much it was it's all him yeah so good
3: he is he is really good he
2: is the epitome of what captain america i think now i'm looking at my list i'm like i think they're my list is more along the lines of your first example mm-hmm. and of that's like fine fitting
3: the
1: role perfectly yeah no and that works too so devon who'd you have at number five uh, number five, I had a pretty recent one was I'm going with Ben Mendelsohn as yeah. Telos and Captain Marvel. Um, I really love the, the split dynamic they had for him whenever he was, you know, in his scroll form versus being in his human form using the different voices. Um, I love they got to use his native Australian accent because he has like kind of the perfect Australian accent, if you ask me. But, you know, <laughs> not too overbearing, but subtle enough to where it's real cool no Um, crikeys yeah but then uh i i I just thought his character was hilarious like i mean the you know can't really go into we won't go into spoilers since it's still a pretty recent movie but you know just the the shift that his character has and the different interact the way they interacts with um you know captain marvel and sam jackson's character Uh, I thought just was a perfect foil for the movie. So I loved his performance in it.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great choice. Uh, My number four is Chris Evans, who Andrew already mentioned. Um, I agree. Winter Soldier is probably his best performance uh, in the MCU, uh, although shout out to Avengers, um, which he gives a really good performance in as well, I believe. Um, I think we're going to see a lot from Chris Evans over the next decade or two. Uh, I think he, just having not seen as him, Captain America. just not as Captain America, um, <laughs> I think seeing him in Gifted uh, yeah. was eye-opening to me, and I'm just, I'm really excited to see the other work that he does. So, or you Scott know, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or even, you know, uh, the original Fantastic Four movies. I enjoyed mm-hmm. him in those as well. Okay. So he was the, he was the good thing about those movies, Andrew.
2: Flame on. Uh, all right. Who's your number four? <laughs> Me? Uh, I'm going Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. Wow, down at number four. Trust me. I, I, I know, it's crazy. If I was going your way of just performances, uh-huh. yeah. he'd probably be number one or number two. Okay. But I went more along the lines of just fitting that character perfectly. Yeah. But man, his performance is so good. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's so good. And I think that he, he made me believe in Killmonger so much. Mm-hmm. You made me sympathize with that character.
3: Which is what I was talking about, right? Like, the best yeah. villains are ones, like, you're like, yeah, you're scary and mean, but also, I get it, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So good. We'll talk more about that as as our lists continue, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, what did you have at number four, uh, Devon? So, number four, I had Chris Pratt as Star-Lord. Um, you want to talk about somebody that really just embodies the character who was kind of made for it. And his character is a little different in the comics. So it's like he kind of morphed him into, you know, uh, putting those Chris Pratt isms into his uh, performance. And he really gets to do the comedy because he has so many different quotes. But he also gets the emotional level when you uh, see him like talking about his mom and these moments with Kurt Russell and Guardians 2. And then when he, you insert him into Infinity War, he just automatically plays well off of all the other uh, characters as well. So, I mean, uh, he's, you know, across the three films he's been in, he's been just really solid amongst all three of them and I, then shines individually as well.
3: I totally agree. Um, I did not have him on my list, but it is one of those performances like that's a moment one performance for me. The, the moment he turns on the music in the, you know, kind of, yeah, it's, it's almost like Raiders of the Lost Ark mean, you know, meets Flashdance or something. I don't know, you know, um meets Staying Alive, uh, but it's, it's just like, I love this character and that is Chris Pratt just bringing his energy to Star-Lord. So yeah, I completely agree. Uh, all right. On to number three. Did uh, you say my, yours? Nope. My number three is Tom Hiddleston. um. I think the Loki performance is really good and is easy to overlook because it's kind of comic relief in a lot of ways, but he's doing some real dramatic work here, too. Even in the first one. Even in the first one. So, yeah, I wanted to make sure um, Tom Hiddleston uh, was mentioned in my top three. So, he's my number three. What about you, Andrew? My number three,
2: Dave Bautista's Drax.
3: I think that's a great pick.
2: I mean, he's so good. That is the... Perfect casting. I am shocked that he is as good as he is. um Just because I'd only seen him in like WWE before this, I hadn't really <laughs> seen many De Batista, you know, last action hero type movies that he does. But man, he is perfect as Drax. He's perfect. Oh, I love it. It's pre- he might be like out of all the Guardians, my favorite. I think Drax is my
1: favorite Guardian in mm. the MCU.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good. I agree with
1: you on the. I'll agree with you on the surprise aspect. I think he's like the biggest surprise that of any character from the MCU. I mean, for how obscure he is, but then how good he is too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so it's
3: Devon's number three. Yep.
1: My number three would be Chris Hemsworth. Um, I went with Chris Hemsworth here. Um. Because his his character progressively gets better as we see him more. Not that he's bad in Thor or Thor: The Dark World. Like he's still good, but he's there's they just hadn't gotten the timing down with his character yet. I don't think right. Which got better, and it got better in Avengers. Like he he works really well in Avengers, but then of course we all know Thor Ragnarok. Just <laughs> they completely you know it wouldn't even say completely change him, but they just played better to his strengths and chris hemsworth's yeah. comedic timing is really really good and so just what they did with him in ragnarok and then keeping that tone with him going into infinity war 2 like we just have this completely n- new character to relate with and chris hemsworth again is i, I don't know if it was rather getting the writing down between Taika Waititi and him or just him coming into his own more, uh, the more times he plays the character.
3: Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Another great choice. It's amazing how many great performances there are in the MCU. I think it's a testament to to the whole series. It really is. Uh, Let's do our number twos. Uh, My number two is Robert Downey Jr. Um, Nice. I am continuously blown away by how uh, deep that Iron Man performance is almost every single movie he's in, I'm like, oh yeah, Downey Jr. can really act. yeah <laughs> Like he's, he's really bringing it. Uh, so it's it's always what I look forward to and I think he it's it's interesting. I don't know that it's an exaggeration to say his talent is one of the biggest reasons the MCU is as successful as it is because if he doesn't nail Iron Man, in that first movie, who knows how it's different, you know, but you just fall in love with that character, even as he's kind of an anti-hero, learning his morals. He's always, you know, he never stops being a, you know, kind of a a self-centered, you know, playboy in a lot of ways, but he starts to understand the depth of morality in a way that he doesn't at the beginning. And I just think it's fascinating for him to deal with those things together. So that's my number two. What do you got, Andrew? Josh
2: Brolin, Thanos. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I know it's MoCat, but there, you it's picking up so much of his performance mm-hmm. when he's doing that. And he is probably what I would consider the best MCU villain. Not the best performance, but the mm-hmm. best MCU villain. Again, performance would probably still go to Killmonger, to and, Michael B. Jordan. And in the same way... You're kind of like I get it. I get it. I understand what you're trying to do. I don't agree, but don't I get agree, it. I don't agree, but I understand it. Yep. There's like so many like hashtags I've seen like Thanos was right and stuff like that. <laughs> like people get it. But man, it's just you buy into that performance so much and credit goes to Josh Brolin, credit goes to the mocap team for being able to pick up so much of his, you know, facial twitches and details and stuff like that it's just so good no that's
3: a solid choice solid choice for sure what do you got at number two devon
1: uh my number two would be tom hiddleston yeah uh, who you had just on the list and for many of the same reasons um uh tom hiddleston you know he's gotten to appear in so many movies and he's also gotten to, in each movie, his role shifts, you know, between whether he is the full villain, whether he's the back and forth that you can't trust, whether in Ragnarok, which is, you know, almost purely good, almost, for the most part. Like, he's almost a fide hero in Ragnarok. And, you know, so it's like he, he just puts on so many different layers to Loki, you know, the comedic side, the serious side, um, his, you know, empathetic side, because, I mean he you know he kind of has a tragic story uh to him as well so it's just like we've gotten to see all these different facets of um loki but then tom hiddleston is just endlessly charming he's amazing to look at he has great hair um (laughs) i mean what can you what's not to love about tom hiddleston as loki
3: he also nails the the sneaky prankster side too which Mm -hmm. is not always easy to do yeah so it's such a key part of that character so yeah great points all right on to our number ones i think you can guess my number one by my reaction to your number four yep uh my number one is michael b jordan uh man that performance is astonishing yeah um i i am a huge uh michael michael jordan fan the new michael jordan Uh,
2: i I love all michael jordan's (laughs) (laughs) um
3: i have been since fruitvale station uh i think he is an incredible talent And I've loved everything I've seen him do. Uh, Creeds. Yeah, the Creed movies, for sure. Uh, So I, and I love that Ryan Coogler has kind of found a muse in him. I think that's great. I love it when a director and an actor can work like that together. Yeah. Um, So, no, I'm a huge fan, and I think his performance is astonishing. So I had to put it at number one.
2: I get it. I totally get it. What'd you have at number one? This is where I have Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. you said pretty much every single thing. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day, and this is kind of like a side thought. Is the MCU only as popular as it is because of Robert Downey Jr. and how successful Iron Man 1 is? Or is it how superhero movies actually started becoming good and people expected them to be good like, because of the X Men movies, mm-hmm. because the X Men movies, I think, are the first superhero movies. Really? Oh wait, no. These superhero movies can actually be really good. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's more one or the other, but I can't take away from the fact of how good Robert Downey Jr. Yeah.
3: is. Do you just mean in the Marvel universe, or are you 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 leaving I mean, out the in Batman general, stuff? I'm, oh, that's not a that's a vigilante movie. Sorry, I think of it as a superhero movie. Yeah, <laughs>
2: I get it. <laughs> But do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. I think it's a
3: combination of things, for sure.
2: I still cannot get over how good Robert Downey... Like, he's also... He's a combination of both things. He's perfect for that character, Mm -hmm. and his performance is stellar. Mm -hmm. It's both. So I am just blown away
1: by how good he is. No, that's a great choice. What do you got at number one, Tavon? Number one, also Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the things that you guys said, I think that... Across the MCU, Tony has had the largest and most effective arc, I think. Um, you know, not only in his three standalone films, but then, you know, his arc over the Avenger films as well. And and my thing is, with all these performances, is I don't really think too many of them are, like, truly great acting. I think it's a lot of, like, yeah, they, these people are playing these characters very well they're bringing these characters to life but when you're talking about someone that's actually like stone cold acting that's robert downey jr in the iron man movies like he is for real like acting as if he's you know doing an oscar movie versus you know just a silly superhero movie like he he the the gravitas he brings to it
3: yeah totally
1: agree um very nice guys. I like our lists.
3: Uh here's my shout outs. Michael Peña, got a shout out Mr. Peña. <laughs> uh got a shout out Tom Holland who I think is perfect as Spider-Man. Oh, uh, and I need to shout out Paul Rudd. Uh as Ant-Man. That's just a performance I really dig. But I just couldn't yes. put them on like the yeah. the same level, but um but wanted to make sure I shouted them out. Um well there you go.
2: Here, let me give my one shout sure, out. Sure, yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, a couple shout outs I should say. Uh Denai as a courier. Is so good. Yep. Yep. And then I would also like to shout out Chris Hemsworth as Thor.
3: Yeah. Um, Letitia Wright's so great in Black Panther as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Lupita
2: that's... Nyong'o, Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> all right. The right.
3: entire cast of Black <laughs> Panther. We, we shout out the entire cast of Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> go on from there. Uh, all right. We're on to the buried treasure. What is that one thing in all of pop culture? can be anything uh, that you want to make sure people know about. Uh, we let our guests go first.
1: So, Devon, what do you got? Alrighty. Well, like we have mentioned multiple times, I am a big horror guy. So, um, one thing that I definitely need to shout out for, uh, any genre fans out there is if you do not have Shudder, the horror and genre streaming, uh, service, you should definitely, uh, give it a checkout um you get like the seven day free trial but they have just so many great movies from the horror classics of the 60s the universal monster movies to 80 slashers to obscure foreign films to current indie releases um i mean they have so many different things they have a a growing catalog of tv shows as well and then they also have um brought back joe bob riggs and he he was a you know popular horror host back in the day and they brought him back for his own tv show and they do it's called the last drive-in and they do like a double feature and they like you know do the cuts with his commentary but they do it every friday and every friday the whole horror community on twitter tweets along with it and it's just a it's a great it's a great way to connect with like people online like just them having um the last drive with joe bob riggs but the the streaming service itself is just fantastic if you are a horror or genre fan.
3: Very nice. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I binged the first two seasons. I think. I think season three just started of Brockmire. Um, this is a show about a, a baseball announcer, like a stadium announcer. Um, who was announcing for a professional team and then had a breakdown on the mic because of something that happened with his wife having an affair. And so it's him trying to like come back in the minor leagues and that kind of stuff. Uh, it is hilarious. It is definitely an adult show. It's not for the family uh, because a lot of the humor in this show is from, and by the way, it's Hank Azaria uh, is the announcer guy. And a lot of the humor in this show is him doing baseball announcer voice for some of the most profane <laughs> and things in the world. So it's like, hey, this is Jim Brockmeyer, and boy, did my wife do this, you know, like yeah. kind of thing. So it's like, it's part of the humor is kind of the um, the juxtaposition of that announcery voice. With uh, what he's doing, but there's also some heart to it as he's trying to figure out what his life is about and what what is meaningful to him. He's actually dealt with alcoholism in the first couple seasons in an interesting way that I haven't really seen shows do. Uh, Amanda Peet is in it as well, who I enjoy, uh, and uh, Richard Kind is in this season, who I'm also a big fan of. Uh, So it is one of those shows that I can't recommend to everybody. But it is definitely an, an interesting show and a funny one um, that I do enjoy. So, yeah, that's called Brockmire, if you want to check it out. Looks uh, like it's
2: on Amazon Prime.
3: It, is it on Amazon Prime? That's I know. It. Yeah, it's it's on the IFC is yeah. where it originally airs. So you can check it out there.
2: Nice. Uh, interesting premise. Andrew, help us out. So, you know me. I like to read comics. We've talked a lot about comics today. In comic book movies mm-hmm. but i don't know if i've ever talked about how i read comics as a buried treasure okay i use an app it's called Comicsology. c-o-m-i-x-o-l-o-g-y it is a culmination of every single uh production or uh, writing company, like dc marvel dark horse image uh, all of them and you can subscribe through amazon whenever a new um comic book is released like uh i have all deadpools like Mm -hmm. on a recurring subscription so as soon as it gets released it just downloads automatically onto my ipad and you just tap to like you're flipping the page and you, you can either have it like go for every single block or you can just have the full page right there oh nice so that's how i read all my comics now it's so much easier than going to the comic store and actually like is it out yet are you sold out nope just Hey, hey, it's midnight. That means it should be downloaded and I'll check. And then, yep, there it is right there.
3: There was uh, one comic that we read for the show, and I read it on an app like that. Uh, I think it may have been Marvel's app. I can't remember yeah. if they have their own or whatever. Oh, yeah. All and it was, such a, own. it was such a great experience. I was like, oh, I might get into comics if it's... Because there's it's really interesting storytelling. You know, it's such a different kind of storytelling, and I think the digital release of it allows that storytelling... To even be more intuitive mm-hmm. than even just turning a page, um, because like you said, you can go frame by frame or uh, frames, probably not the panel by panel. Yeah. Um, so.
2: So, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's cool. Comixology. Comicsology, Yeah. Okay. And you can even like they have this thing called borrow, which um, pretty much is just, hey, you can read this for free if you want. If it's in like an older version, like if you want to read all the old Batmans and stuff like, mm. oh, they're Ooh. old here, just borrow them so Ooh, that's
1: nice yeah I'll it doesn't have to do go it for back all... and do that
2: it also has uh mangas on there as well so you can read like all the elite battle angel comics if you want or mangas if you want stuff like that so it's a lot of publications in just one app like you said yes marvel has their own app dc mm-hmm. has their own app that come with their own specific perks but if all you want is comics this is the one to get very nice
3: good recommend yep well we did it guys Woo. We casted a pod. Yeah, we did. There was a pod in the room, and we cast it all over it. With our strong left hand. Or right hand. That's right. Is it right hand or left hand?
2: Uh, Let's go with right hand. I think it's right hand.
3: Yes. With your mighty right hand. Yes. Yes. I think that's that's how it goes. Well, congratulations, guys. It has been an honor to cast the pods with you today. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. If you want to know more about the network, uh, you can find out at the website, studiodna.media, or just search Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out today. Thanks, you can Daddy. find him at Flick Freaks all over the social medias. I'm at Aaron Dicer. You can also follow at Sif Pop. Also- Big thanks to Devon, to Deezus, for hanging out with us today. Yes, We are so glad to have you back. back. Yeah, so glad. Uh, Let people know where they can find you, how to hang out with you online, all that kind of fun stuff.
1: Yeah, the best places you guys can find me is on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Devon, D-E-V-A-U-G-H-N. And that's for both of them. Um, Like I said, I'm always on Twitter chatting up movies. I write for uh, Nightmare on Film Street, uh, writing reviews and editorials for all your favorite horror and genre needs and then on instagram just check me out i'm a photographer and i do all sorts of portraits and horror creepy things and yeah so just go ahead and hang out with me
3: we appreciate it man uh we also appreciate producer phil who puts this thing together thank you so much for doing that huge thanks to larange for the new music you may have heard the new intro and outro music uh, he's is- Put that stuff together both for sift pop and for sift the thrones uh larange is the best uh you should definitely check him out it's l-o-r-a-n-g-e looks like l orange um <laughs> but it's larange uh and you can find him on twitter and all of his stuff uh also thank you to our members Membership starts at three bucks a month. Found at Patreon.com/sifpop, and it's help us, helping us to do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, there's a bonus episode that members get to hear that comes with every episode. There's a video hangout. Lots of fun stuff happening happening at the website because of those members. Sifpop.com. Uh, so excited to see that continue to grow. And thank you for helping us do that. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us directly. Um, you can indirectly connect with us, uh, by leaving a comment or a rating, go ahead and rate and leave a review at iTunes. That helps us out a ton. Uh, or you can email us at feedback at If you have any questions. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie loving friends will probably like it too. So let them know about the show and that listening is much easier than being flayed by a giant sword armed demon. Uh, Spoiler chat for this movie Should be next up in your podcast feed And next week we're going to blow it out With the annual Summer Sum Game So we'll be making our Summer Sum Game Picks so be thinking about what what Movies you think will make the most money This summer and uh, we'll, We'll get that in motion next week So excited to do that and we'll see you then